Hello, everyone. This is WCSU 411, and I'm Paul Steinmetz. Today, our guest is the provost of the university, Dr. Missy Alexander. She is the second in command here at the university and the main person who oversees the academic side of things. She's always thinking about trends in higher education and where WestCon might fit in. We also hear today about campus events from Chantel Williams. But first, here is Dr. Missy Alexander. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you have a weekly blog that you uh, write about higher ed and WestCon kind of things. You mentioned in your blog recently that you were at a joint meeting of the New England Association of Schools and Colleges and the New England Commission on Higher Education. And along with the boring but necessary uh, <laughs> panels that you had to attend they they at these things, they usually attend uh, invite a interesting keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And this time they invited Tanahasi Coates, who's an interesting writer and social commentator. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wrote about some of the things he said in his blogs in his keynote and um, about some of the things that we might do about what he said. So I thought we could talk about that here. Sure, sure. He was, a, of course, a terrific speaker mm. uh, and had a standing room only cl- crowd. Everybody was, in fact, I was standing leaning against a wall. Mm. Everybody was in there. And, you know, he's uh, uh, writes about really important, uh, I think, social justice issues. Um, but he was tasked to talk to a room full of educators I believe he stated that he has not graduated from college. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I think that's what I heard. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, swear to it, but that's what I think he said. So I thought it was a funny situation for him to be in. But he was addressing uh, us on several issues and talking about the inequity of outcomes. Well, what what I really mean is the inequity of the kinds of outcome measures established mm-hmm. um, about how different school districts are uh, suffering different socioeconomic environments, and then you hold them to a uniform standard of wh- what the students should achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's just not a reasonable uh, set of standards. Now, there's a million problems in all of that. But his insight is not wrong, mm-hmm. right? The The insight is not wrong if a, if a faculty member is charged with policing, social work, general crowd control in a large class, mm-hmm. and then, oh, by the way, please learn algebra. You've, you've asked an awful lot. Well, and also uh, if you think there's been sexual ab- or abuse right. in, the, in the family or et cetera, there's a lot of those things too. Absolutely. And sometimes threats of violence, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, and these aren't reasonable. And, you know, he made the point over and over again that he felt particularly lucky that he had amazing parents but that that was not fair to have everybody have superheroes for parents. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up in, in pretty rough uh, Baltimore school districts that, uh, he, you know, crazy things were going on in the hallways. And yet he and his siblings succeeded, he said, because I had, you know, you know, Superman and mm-hmm. you know, Wonder Woman for parents. Mm-hmm. They could really, really uh, keep us on track. But you can't expect that of every family. You can't expect every parent to be a superhero. You also understand not every household has two people to rely on. People are not necessarily home. Uh, they're working and they're trying to juggle to get uh, enough food on the table. So how can they support a sort of studying, mm-hmm. you know, the basic things? And so then you'd say, so that school district is failing. 
The thing that he was talking about in particular was a recent scandal of, in, I believe it was in Georgia, of um, in, uh, not reporting actual grades or helping mm. the students on the test taking so that they got good outcomes so that the school district didn't get in trouble. And he argued, and I absolutely agree with him, that that was the smartest move they could do. He didn't say those words. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like it was a natural outcome of mm -hmm. the situation they were put in. If they could just dismiss those problems and address the ones they had, this was a good move, mm -hmm. right? And so we've set up a system with measures of you've got to get this graduation rate, you've got to get these test scores, you've got to perform at this level. And then when people don't have the appropriate resources, have the extra challenges, they're faced with, well, do I report what really is going on here or do I find a way around that so I can keep working on what's really going on around here? So he's not advocating lying. He's not advocating cheating. But he is arguing that we set up the system to cheat, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that happens in all kinds of weird and subtle ways and not so subtle ways when we set these markers, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it's problematic at best, you know. So in a pretty much day-to-day -day reality at a university level or a university like ours, we're looking at graduation rates mm -hmm. and um, making sure students, enough students are uh, not dropping out mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. And, uh, um, at the same time, we do believe, I think, as you've said, that uh, in the idea that education is a great equalizer. It's a great thing to have mm -hmm. students go to uh, a university and be able to uh, stay in or move up to the middle class and really be solid there. Mm -hmm. That's a way to do it. Um, but... <laughs> the, uh, uh, at the same time, the state's saying, hey, your graduation rate isn't good enough, and now you're ranked low or you're not on the rankings at all. So fewer students right. are going to um, well, uh, look at you. You know, I think there are just so many layers to this. Here's what I will say. Mm -hmm. We could do better. We are working towards doing better. We do work towards doing better all right. the time. All the time. Any, t any student that is not succeeding here because of this, because of us, I want to solve. Mm -hmm. But there are many students who are not here because they're not ready to be here. And ready is a million reasons. You know, we we'll focus a lot on academic preparation, but it's also just I'm not ready yet. I mm -hmm. don't see the value yet. I don't I'm not ready for this thing in my life yet. So one of the critical things, even before I get to those rankings of us and all those test score or completion rate scores that I do obsess over, mm -hmm. right? Uh, is that the structure of the four-year degree for a lot of the population that we are serving is not the right structure anymore. I don't think that the way that we've organized it, it's, you know, four years was imagined for those going off to college, campus-based experiences, and you got there and you were done. One of the reasons is because, you know, I removed myself from everything else for four years. I've got to have an end point, mm -hmm. right? Now we have it integrated into their lives, and it's something different. Now, we have our share of students, of course, who are, are here for that four-year experience, and they're wonderful, and they have a great experience. Some of them are commuters, and some of them are on campus, and that is uh, irrelevant, right? They're, they're ready. They're in that part of their life. They are set up to do a four-year thing. But a lot of our students are... They took a year off. They took two years off. They came. They, you know, they're working. They're figuring it out. And that's just not their structure. But the measures are set up for the four-year structure. 
mm-hmm. right? Even though there's like this grace period of it's a six-year graduation rate, whatever. It's just not quite right. I mean, I would rather have many more markers of achievements than the ultimate of the fourth, mm-hmm. right? To remind us that there's progress being made, but this student is now doing this for a while and then they'll be back later. Because it is important to all of us that they do come back, but it's not necessarily all in a row, mm-hmm. right? You know, it, it just, it's got to be staggered. So then my measures are, did I lose them from year one to year two? Well, maybe I really should have. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe a group of students said, "Okay, I tried, but I'm not ready yet. Another group said this was great. But what I'd like to do is do this for a couple of years and then come back. How about I make that a goal instead of a failure? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and help them do that. Well, that means I'm going to take the hit on my retention rates because I think I'm doing the right thing for the student by either not taking any more money from them because they're not ready yet and they need to do some other things or helping them to go do that other thing that they need to do and then come back for the rest of it. You know, both of those things are really with the student in mind and really attending to their success, but they will not be reflected in that measure. Mm -hmm. That's where I think it gets very complex. And with uh, K through 12, Mm -hmm. we take a lot of students who are maybe not prepared in every area. We Correct. do our part in helping them with whatever it is, reading or math, mm-hmm. and uh, helping them get up to speed. But he talked about some of that, too, what, what it takes really to get through from kindergarten through graduation of college. Right? Well, I mean, it's it's an endless continuum of inputs, right? Mm-hmm. So if we go back to the 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 some of the troubles we have in what we would call under-preparation, right? And under-preparation is a big, varied thing. Some of it is about math and English, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. It's just basics of what we need you to be able to do at a college level, and not everybody's there. And school districts, I think most of the time, are making a pretty good effort at getting students there, but they may not have had them for all 12 years. They may have come in and come out. They may have just showed up the last two years of Mm -hmm. the high school, and now there's things to work on here. And there may have been all those interfering variables of uh, socioeconomic status, uh, situations that keep a student from succeeding. You know, sometimes also a student just doesn't like high school. Mm -hmm. That's also okay. They just may not be ready right away for college. You know, you know, there's there's times for everybody. There's a there's just a moment. But if we're trying to always bridge the gap, it puts us in a tough situation. I am very much in favor of creating those opportunities for a student. Okay, now I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm ready to regroup. I am very much in favor of those. Okay, you want to take a shot? I hated high school, but I'm ready now. I am very much in favor of that. I'm just also in favor of saying at the end of it, was I really ready? And not proceeding if they weren't and giving the student a chance to take a little more time to reflect on it. In other words, I do believe in some standards of the quality of that education. Mm-hmm. I believe I sometimes I make people laugh. I said it's not that hard to get in here, but it's pretty hard to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, not because I want to throw barriers in front of you, but because we want you to, you know, you, we want you to have value in the education you're receiving, which means it has to be rigorous. So that's important. But sometimes I think Each of us is pushing up and down into different places who's responsible for what. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets a little problematic. You know, so 
you know, the little bit here, the little bit of let's jump in, let's make, let's brush up the English, let's brush up the math and get you up. That's not too bad. Some of the stuff that is cultural, which is to say people have no idea about how to navigate this environment, is very much my job to help people bridge that gap. You don't know how, what a semester is, what a credit hour is, all that stuff, all the crazy jargon that we use in higher ed. This is entirely my job to make sure that we clarify that for you. But understanding the value of the education and how it fits into your life may take a little more time. You know, and especially if you're also trying to figure out how to, let's say, uh, support family members and interact with their expectations for your education, that may take a little more time and may not be fully my job. At the same time, though, I see that my high school partners are struggling with trying to bridge a uh, financial burden that students have for college by trying to get more and more of them into uh, APs and early college and some of these sort of get your associate's degree in high school situations. And it's okay for a few of the students, but it's, it's, it's blurring, it's, it's hiding a problem. It's pushing down to them access to these courses so students don't have to pay for them later when at the same time it's not time for that mm -hmm. yet. And that's a, you're trying to solve with this sort of awkward fit, something that's really about a financial thing that we need to solve as a society. So that's where we are. In the K-12, we're also talking about the fact that, you know what, I don't, I have not understood this for quite some time. Why does anybody pay for a meal mm. in K-12? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we go through backflips about how to not stigmatize the kid who has free lunch. And by the way, I was a kid who had free lunch, mm. okay? I, I, I know what that was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids had free lunch, but not everybody. And so you had to have a certain card to get your lunch and you get your food and all of that. And I'm like, well, why don't we just feed the kids? And it's nobody's problem. We don't, stop dealing with, stop making that part of the thing we have to sort and start so that we can take that off the list of the things that are weighing down the students' day. Because, so I had free lunch. That means my mother, turned, you know, filled out the paperwork. And right. we had that support for a few years of my life, and that was great. But some families won't do it, mm -hmm. right? For various reasons, they don't want to do all of that. And so that kid is going hungry. We could just fix that problem, right? And if we fix that problem, maybe they can do more of their work. Maybe they can be more engaged, and I am doing less of the catch-up when mm -hmm. they come to me. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about there is like maybe – we need to be thinking about that because we have done a lot of work at, at WCSU in terms of outreach. We work with our high school partners a lot, and we love that. Mm -hmm. And we do really feel it's part of our mission. But mostly I want them to have what they need so they need – that the Mayan interaction with them is really fun, that, that I can – we can collaborate on, say, um, professional development stuff between my faculty and their faculty and understanding, not how we're going to solve the remedial crisis of the day, you know. That's important, but it's important because we haven't set them up to succeed. Right. So that was really what I was trying to get at in that piece is that maybe I have to think a little bigger. Not so much in creating more bridge programs, which are important, but we probably have as many as we need. But more about making sure that I need those bridge programs less because they've gotten adequate support. Right. So you were standing against the wall at this Tanahashi mm -hmm. Coates uh, lecture and you raised your hands and he uh, your hand and he called on you. 
Was everybody else afraid to ask a question? No, 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 no. Other people were asking questions, hmm. too. They're, most the, Remember, this is a joint conference, so it's higher ed and K-12 educators oh, in the room. So a lot of K-12 educators were asking qu- questions. I just was listening to his responses, and that's why I asked him, well, what should we do? Mm-hmm. You know, And he basically called us out and said, you know, you can't act like you're alone in some special area in as educators you have to get out there and work too you know it's just it's just not it's not tenable to think well we'll just be in our space and we can be devoid of the political realities of all of this and and by which i you know which by which i don't mean you know republican democrat or independent but the political realities that keep us from for example, giving them free lunch in schools, mm-hmm. you know. So I thought it was good. I thought he, call, he called us out pretty well. And I said, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we can't just act like I'm just advocating for higher education because higher education is part of a system of structures. When I put it my most sort of glib way, I talk about education as the actual strategic plan for a functioning democracy, mm-hmm. right? That we, this is what we do. We think we need this to have the whole thing we call the United States of America work. So we can't under support it and we can't under invest in it. But we also have to be continuously reflecting on it. I think some of the ways that we reflect on it sometimes are misguided because they don't look at these nuances. Mm-hmm. They look at block measures. And there's things you can learn, you know. But you've got to dig a little deeper right. into that. So. Which is more complex, right? The block measures tell you things, and the, that's how things are measured often. But uh, the nuance gets – how do you get at the nuance and how do you, as um, you were talking about, get the whole – all of society thinking about it? And how get, getting us involved in it too and the rest of society? Yeah. Well, I, I do. I think it's because you have to um, – sort through. You know, one of the ways I like to think about this is uh, SAT scores, Mm -hmm. right? SAT scores are good, large um, buckets. Mm -hmm. They give you a first level understanding of something. But they tell you so little once you get past that first bucket, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've had many more students succeed with more mediocre SAT scores because they were ready to do what they wanted to do, you know, than anybody would think, you mm-hmm. know, or even GRE scores. I mean, when I used to uh, be a director of a master's program, the GRE score told me nothing. In fact, the highest GRE scores I ever got was the first person I threw out of that master's program. <laughs> That's so, interesting because <laughs> they are ready, right? Right. Well, it's not, it's so. not about academics. Hmm. It's about something else, mm-hmm. right? So they give you those those first sorts. So what are the, you know, like what are the value of asking the question of graduation retention? Is it reasonable to ask the question? Yes, it is. Because uh, a, an organization may just be taking money and pushing mm-hmm. kids through. An organization may just not have any commitment to that. And, oh, you know, uh, even even No Child Left Behind, which had a million problems in it, uh, asked some good, hard thought questions about low expectations Mm -hmm. and how that ends up translating to low expectations for certain swaths of society that we're neglecting. Those are fair questions to ask us. Are we systematically neglecting things? But you just have to ask the next question, right? It's okay to say, okay, so Western has these scores. 
what's going on? Who are their students? What are their efforts? What are they doing? You know, that is okay. If you ask the rest of the questions, then those measures are just a trigger. Right. But if you take those questions and just say, okay, now we're going to reduce your, your funding based on performance, right, then you've done a real harm. I mean, just, just take a look at um, – because we're not even in this category. You know, we wish we always want things to be a little better than they are, but things are not terrible here. Things are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. We have students going off to amazing grad programs and jobs, and we have students who we sometimes, you know, worked really hard and it took them a long time to get through, but we get them to that finish line. Right. You know, we do a lot of great things here. But, you know, you look at a district, let's say, that has more than half of its students don't speak English. You know, 80% of its students are on a uh, free lunch plan. Oh, okay. And then you decide to punish them based on a, uh, a a measure on a standardized test. All you do is ensure that more of those students get neglected. Mm-hmm. I mean, what that student that school needs is more investment, not less. Mm-hmm. What that trigger should be is, okay, let's go in and figure out how to help not how right. to punish, right? So that's where it is. It's not that the measures themselves shouldn't be taken. It's that they should be then brought into context, looked at carefully and say, okay, you know, so you seem to be struggling with this part of it. How do we help with this part of it, you know, instead of neglecting it? Mm-hmm. But you do need to ask. I don't want to give the impression that they shouldn't be collected. They mm-hmm. should. We should be looking at them and thinking about how we can do more, you know. Uh, because sometimes we're startled by them. We're like, oh, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, that can be very good information. Mm-hmm. And what about your um, – what's the next step for if we as an institution and the people working here mm-hmm. are thinking seriously about solving – society's issues mm. uh, what should we uh, what do you advocate that we do or think about start thinking about hmm that's a big one you know I tossed off some things that we could get you know I thought thought if we if we advocate for k-12 we advocate for ourselves mm-hmm. in some ways right um, as I was thinking that day I was thinking about universal preschool right because it's there's just not any question that it works, right, mm-hmm. as a social equalizer, as a way to help. Um, it's no question that students who don't get access to quality uh, preschool start behind. And all of the, the things that um, – all of this, the injustices that are based around social stereotypes of different racial groupings and ethnic groupings – come through there very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to level that or come closer, we should we should double down. You know, we have we have head start, we should double down and make it universal. I'm in favor of that. That would be a good thing to advocate for. But why not, you know, uh, and I think it's it would go a long way towards helping actually, let's say Danbury schools, mm-hmm. right? So and Danbury schools is our largest population in terms of recruiting, uh, you know, the demographics shift a little bit about where students come from from here, but a lot come from our neighborhood, yes. which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We, we'd we like to be uh, uh, clued in there. So if we were to just say, all right, that's our issue, we could be communicating that out to our representatives. But I would add a piece to that. New England and Connecticut has no children. Mm. Young people are leaving us. Well, wouldn't you think about your career and your options as a career a little differently if you knew when you got back to your state, the preschool thing, mm-hmm. your child care starts at three, 
and it's paid for, does that change your weight of your willingness to want to move back to this state and take a job with an employer and, you know, and deal with some of the other infrastructure issues we need here? Maybe it's not just me being a do good, good or caring about education. Maybe this is part of the strategic plan for the growth of the state. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one way we can go. But I don't want to tell everybody that that's the only answer. Um, I do. I do sincerely believe that we should just have food in schools and mm-hmm. not ask the question anymore. But that kind of thinking about what what is it that's blocking our students from being successful when they get to us that we could advocate for instead of then making it our job in the way that somehow the legislators or well-meaning uh, you know entrepreneurs and other people are pushing a lot more of the college education into high schools all in with really really good intentions but kind of blurring the lines about what we need to get done here and not giving the kid a chance to grow in the ways that students who can afford to go to college get to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a social structural issue that has, is fraught with problems. So instead of pushing, high school, pushing college to high school and high school into college, why don't we feel, figure out how to redefine them again as what we wanted them to be, which was one set of developmental experience for, you know, up through adolescence and one for the beginnings of adulthood and, and sort it out a little more. That might be some of the conversations we could be having. Mm-hmm. No, and if, if I want to make it most clear... I would say, what do you think college is? And let's let's go back to making a definition again. Mm-hmm. You know, what did we think we meant to do here, instead of all these other ways of doing college? Right. You know, mm, that's interesting. Mm. Do you? Uh, so it's one thing for the institution we have uh, set up, so we can talk to our legislators and we bring them on campus, uh, but. We don't want to let individuals here off the hook, right? Don't mm-hmm. they have to? Uh, shouldn't well, they be uh, involved too? Well, of course. I mean, uh, not to be uh, annoying here, but I'm actually on a board of education, mm-hmm. and that's something that other people can do, and people can show up for the board of ed meetings and mm-hmm. support their school districts, you know, um, in the same way that they can also support us when they think about um, that education is an investment in the whole state not just in one student. And so, you know, being aware of that and trying to understand what we have to offer. And by the way, come take advantage of what we have to mm-hmm. offer, you know, and be involved in us. But in terms of, you know, your general understanding of how our uh, how education fits into the whole of the opportunities for the state, I think educating ourselves about that is important. And then, yes, getting involved. And, and that's important. I mean, when we, you know, as, as a Board of Ed member, and this is my third year, um, you know, we're just so grateful when the community shows up because mm-hmm. we are having serious conversations about how education should look. So uh, that's also ways to be involved. Mm-hmm. One thing nice about Connecticut is s- communities are small. It's not hard to be involved. That's right. And it's not just the community at large. It's the people who work here too, right? It's fill- we're filled with uh, smart people. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, can't you just order all these professors to go out and be come involved? You are uh, their boss. No, that's not how this works. No. Huh. <laughs> no, but a lot of our professors are involved. I think if you look at uh, look around at what they're doing outside of outside of here, many of them are in various boards and uh, community organizations and registrars of voters. Of I, 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 
I dare say we have several of those mm. on, on faculty. So they are involved in in community groups and people are doing advocating for the things that they think are really important. You know, I, I think of um, Mitch Wagner's lectures on mm. uh, climate change and he's really involved students so well in that. But community members are involved. So they're they're working on the things that they're uh, caring about. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, maybe there is room for us to think a little more about how not just about our disciplines, but how we fit into the whole mm-hmm. and having conversations about that. I, I, you know, it's important to respect people's passions and let them blossom with them. But it's also important to understand how we're interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that maybe is a little bit of what I'm talking about in my weekly blog, you know, just sort of what's what connecting the dots of these actions a little bit. Uh, I And I talk with faculty all the time, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of in not in ways where I'm giving a lecture about what we should do, but much more in conversations about, well, what about that? You know, um, I, by the way, think we're doing a good job with early college and uh, the work that's going on with Danbury and Bethel schools and because it's not just about an AP course, mm-hmm. it's about it being a Western course, which means that they're having more con- conversations with our faculty and the students sometimes even come here for an occasional thing. That's nice stuff. That's good stuff. That's also connecting the dots and helping mm-hmm. students see there. I think our um, Upward Bound program is really important mm-hmm. and more faculty maybe understanding what that's doing for us would be good. It's what it's doing for the students is the primary goal, of course, but it's really it's great that we're a part of it. Um, our uh, education access program is really important and uh, there's still we still have we still have funding for finding our way uh, so far, uh, which is a wonderful middle school science program. Those kinds of things are great. So actually quite a lot does. You know, if I think through what I know about, and of course I don't know what everybody's doing when they're not in their classes, I know about a lot of faculty being involved in school districts and things. Um, so hopefully they're advocating uh, mm-hmm. somewhat in terms of everybody else. I don't get to see their annual reports on what they do, so I'm not sure what everybody else is involved in. But um, but I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people with family and communities here that are probably involved. Mm-hmm. So. We could take over the world, really. We could. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just stood in line. <laughs> Said no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Dr. Missy Alexander, Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs, thanks for joining us today. You're going to keep writing your blog, I assume. Yes, I am. And one day I'll have a better name for it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's on LinkedIn. Yes. So you can connect there. We don't want any haters connecting there, but uh, people who are interested in higher ed, uh, thoughtful um, ideas should look up there. And uh, we'll have you on again when you have another... uh, couple of good blogs to talk about. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before Chantel joins us, I want to remind listeners that there are other WestCon podcasts worth listening to. Gab and Grow is an example. It's hosted by Mary Beth Griffin, a director in residence life, and she brings in campus experts to talk about what students, mainly first-year students, can expect on campus. So far this semester, she's done pods on the Ansel Commons, testing services, and the subject of resilience, and a bunch more. In fact, she spent more time with Pete in the past three weeks than his wife has. 
So check out Gavin Grove for a pretty good understanding of what to expect as a student. And for our second free advertisement, as regular listeners know, WCSU 411 comes to you from Western Connecticut State University, which offers a high-quality, affordable education. If you have questions about enrolling at WestCon, send an email to admissions at wcsu.edu. And now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, here's co-host Chantel Williams. How's it going, Chantel? It's going good. We had a nice little snow day yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a nice, relaxing day in the dorm. <laughs> you didn't study and catch up on all your stuff? Well, I did homework. I did. But um, after I did the homework, I said, all right, let me um, just relax a little bit and enjoy the day off. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just took advantage of it. <laughs> it's nice to have a snow day when it you is. don't expect it. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that we actually had school off. I was like, oh, it's not going to snow. But then when I saw it coming down, I was like, oh, we really we really don't have school. <laughs> yeah, and it well, did snow a lot, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> they cleaned up it pr- pretty well here. It's yes. like, um, if you're careful, you won't fall and break your leg. Yeah, no. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. A little icy spots here and there, but um, the commute here from west side to midtown wasn't, wasn't too bad. So, mm. You're yeah. on the west side? Yes. And they keep the cafeteria open and everything so yes, they so can feed you? Yes, so it might um, close a little earlier than um, regular time, but yes, they keep it open. Even though school is closed, the cafeteria is still open for the students that dorm. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, we, we still are able to eat. <laughs> and do you uh, use the cafeteria or do you ca- cook in your um, um I Use the cafeteria, but during snow days, I try not to go out and try not to, like, walk to the caf. So mm-hmm. I would uh, go grocery shopping beforehand, me and my roommates, and um, we cook dinner. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're resourceful. To... Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Every time there's a snowstorm, like, back home, my parents, they, I don't know, I just think they think it's the end of the world. So we just always, like, rush to the grocery store and get, like, a whole bunch of groceries because uh-huh. you just never know how bad it's going to be. So yep. I think I took that with me coming here. And so now every time I hear, oh, it's going to snow, I automatically go to the grocery store, get a little bit of groceries. And so I, I won't have to go out the um, dorm at all. Yeah, and you yeah. round up your roommates and make yes. sure they do <laughs> like, let's go, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That'll last a lot rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mom and Dad. Right. <laughs> I think they'll be proud. <laughs> yes, they would be. You listen to something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in the next week? Well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, mm. so there is a Valentine's Day event. Um, SGA will be hosting a lovely little Valentine from noon to 3 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center lobby. And it's open to all WCSU students. And um, there's going to be music, free food, giveaways, and a lot of different drawings. And um, you can get a dinner for two. So Mm. you don't even have to go outside of Western in order to have a nice romantic dinner for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Is it a dinner in the cafeteria? I think I don't think it's in the caf. I think it's going to be um, in our nice little restaurant that we have on the side. Like that, Sodexo does cater, but mm-hmm. it's like special dinners. So, wow, that yeah. would be something, wouldn't that it? That would, yeah. <laughs> so you can win that for free. So make sure you go to the lobby and compliments yeah. of SGA. <laughs> Is Valentine's Day a big holiday for students? Uh, hmm. I don't think it's that big of a holiday for students. I, I think it the it's split down the middle. If mm-hmm. you have if you have a Valentine, then I guess you like Valentine's Day 
Um, if you're a female, I think you like Valentine's Day more than guys do because so <laughs> they say yeah. it's a female holiday. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you love to love, Valentine's Day is just a nice day. If just you love to, to love, yes. If you love to love, if you just want to say I love you to someone, it doesn't even have to be a significant other. It can just be your friends or whatever. It's a it's a great day to just express love and caring for. Uh, the people around you. So that's, that's a how great I like way to, to look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's how I like to look at Valentine's Day. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Pete, are you doing anything special for Valentine's Day? Yeah, we're going to, not on Valentine's Day, but we're actually going to use a gift card we got as a gift to a restaurant like oh. three years ago. Actually oh. go out to, <laughs> I think it was before we had any kids and now we have two kids. So we'll finally use that up. Wow. Yeah, that's good. And the Valentine's Day for your parents or her parents can be to take care of the grandchildren, exactly. which they love. That's funny. There's a lot of Valentine's stuff going on. There is. Here. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's another Valentine's Day event? There's just so much going on. Um, oh, there's an event happening called Carry the Love. Hmm. Um, it's going to be in Westside Ballroom, and it starts at 7 p.m., and it is a faith-based program, but um, they encourage everyone to come out, uh, no matter what uh, religion you are. Every student is welcome, and it's just going to be a great time. It's open to all WCSU students and even outside of the school also. Hmm. So you don't have to be a student in order to attend this event. And, yes, it's at the Westside Ballroom at 7. Do we know what they do, what that means, carry the love? Um, I think they're just... Spreading love. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they're just going to be talking uh, as a group, and then they're going to be talking to individual students and just uh, getting to know students. And uh, if you want prayer, I think they can pray for you also. And just uh, if you just want conversation, hmm. they're there for that also. So Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and they chose Valentine's Day. Yes. Probably as a way to suck people in. Right. <laughs> The uh, and uh, and Sodexo has Valentine's Day for everybody too, right? Yes, they On do. On the west side, of, oh, both campuses. Both campuses. Um, yeah, there's for a, ten bucks. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> so so much going on. So, and I think tonight there's a basketball game. Oh yeah, yeah. For also the on the on Friday, uh, Saturday. Yes, there's also a basketball game. Men's and women's. Yes. And it's senior day, too, all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, wow. Things are just moving so fast. <laughs> it is. And, and Southern Maine, who we hate. I know. Because they beat us all the time. I know. Hopefully this time we can pull through. I have faith in our, our teams. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have faith in us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to ruin their Valentine's Day. Right. <laughs> right. Like, we want to show love, but not in that instance. We want no, to crush them. Exactly. So. <laughs> You're exactly right. You know how to think. <laughs> yeah. um, so here's an interesting event that's going on. The Institution of Holistic Health, mm. um, they're hosting a cheer yoga. I, I never did cheer yoga before, but it sounds pretty interesting. I have done yoga here at school, mm. and it was very relaxing. Mm -hmm. So um, they're hosting a cheer yoga um, noon in room 119 in Berkshire Hall, which is on Midtown. And um, it's open to staff and students. So cool. I think that would be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can relax without actually um, standing up. Right, right. <laughs> Which is interesting. And I feel if it's chair yoga, I, as students in faculty, we sit in chairs all the time. So maybe we can take what 
they uh, are going to teach and uh, teach us there, and we can take it. And when we're sitting in the office or in the classroom, mm-hmm. maybe use those techniques just to relax our body if we ever feel like anxious or anything during mm-hmm. a test, or like with no one no noticing either, right? Without anyone like staring, like, oh, what, what is she doing? <laughs> like, it could be just small relaxing gestures that mm-hmm. will help you relax uh, before an exam or just while you're just sitting there in the office. So I think it's um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're good there at that center. Yes. There's something the Women's Center at Greater Danbury is doing on campus. It's called Chalk About Love. Oh, yes. (laughs) So you go there and talk about um, healthy relationships and then write them on what they call a life-size chalkboard. I think that's this is an important program. Um, I actually did uh, a partnership with the Women's Center uh, last year hmm. for um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and um, they're awesome. They're they are awesome. they're awesome, and the way um, they get the message out to students and in ways and and fun activities too. So, like the chalk is an example. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just you know straightforward in your face, but it's something that everyone can do and you feel comfortable doing mm-hmm. and. It's about, you know, subjects that need to be brought up. And um, it's not just for women, even though it is called the Women's Center. Mm -hmm. um, It's open to women, children, and males. So I I feel like that's something that uh, there's a misconception there that's just for women, but it's most certainly not. It caters to everyone in the community. But, um, yes, I think this event is great because we are talking about, you know, Valentine's Day and love and things like that. And so having a conversation about healthy relationships, um, not just with spouse, but with a friendship or uh, Mm. if you're a parent, you know, having Mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with your child. Um, So it's just important to have healthy relationships all around. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important uh, event that's going on and everyone should should. At least try to attend. And yeah. Join Hopefully, in the guys will show up too. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because they're the ones who really need to figure it out. Right. Isn't <laughs> yeah. that true? Yeah. So again, it's like open to everyone, and yeah, I, I feel like um, guys, it's hard to talk about and express love more and and emotion coming from guys because there's like this. Uh, Stigma that, you know, you have to be really strong and you have to hold in your emotions. But many of them are stupid, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. From what I realize, yes. (laughs) But guys, it's okay. You know, it's it's a free space. It's an open zone. So uh, feel free to come in and talk about uh, healthy relationships. (laughs) You should go to this thing and tell the women there not to date until the guys are 26 or older. That's when they kind of uh, mature out. (laughs) The brain is mature enough. Uh Yeah. (laughs) So I'm slowly starting to realize that now. But um, yeah, (laughs) don't date until the the brain is fully matured. But Yeah. (laughs) Mm. yeah. Well, that's a whole nother subject, though, I guess. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I could go on and on about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get someone from the Women's Center in, and yes. you can uh, do the, uh, be the host. Okay. Yeah. That would be a great topic. <laughs> did you, when you did the event with the Women's Center, was that through the Intercultural Center that you were working with? Or um, it was actually through the social work, uh, oh, yeah. social work program because mm-hmm. it was for a class, and so I had to pair up with a social service um, uh 
center near me, and so mm-hmm. I chose um, the Women's Center, and it was the one located here right in um, Whitehall. Mm. And so we basically went into the lobby in the Student Center on Midtown and uh, for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we handed out uh, purple ribbons because that's the color. Mm-hmm. And um, we also had purple flags, and people would write messages. We would ask students to write messages, positive messages for anyone that was the, uh, a victim of domestic violence or mm-hmm. rape or anything like that. And then we um, planted the flags outside um, yeah, in front of the student that. center. And mm-hmm. yes, it's just it's just a positive message. You never know uh, what someone may have gone through, what someone may have experienced. So, you know, just seeing like a slight message like you're strong, you can get through this can go a long way for people. And it's just so nice to see how many people got involved and how many mm-hmm. students uh wrote messages and they were like oh, well I don't know what to say and it was like you don't you, you know there's no wrong words mm-hmm. like just right from the heart and they was like okay and so it was just awesome to see the encouragement so and you're right there are no you don't know who's been a victim of right. uh, domestic violence yeah you can't tell by looking at them right so, and there's a lot of them actually yes, there is there's a lot and uh it was just nice to see uh, all the students gather and, and um, write nice messages. And mm-hmm. then the flags, seeing them um, wave in the wind and things like mm-hmm. that. It was just really pretty. Yeah. So, yes, the Women's Center, they do a great job here on campus and um, the greater Danbury community. They are very involved. When is Domestic Violence Month? I believe it's March, I want to say. But mm. don't quote me on it. I would just have to check with uh, uh, the Women's Center again. But, mm. yes. <laughs> Good. All right. So does that wrap it up for this week's events? I think so. I think we covered all the events. Um, all we the had Valentine's a little, Day. Yeah, all the Valentine's, the love. Make sure we spread the love. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, every week we have a whole bunch of events coming up. So this week it's all about love. Let's, that's let's right. name it that. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do that every six months, even yeah. though it's not Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Chantel. Thank you. See Have you a great week. day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to our producer, Scott Volpe, and engineer, Pete Puccio, who make sure these podcasts are available to our many listeners. Remember, WCSU 411 is absolutely free, so there's no reason not to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. We're waiting there for you on every platform. Remember, WCSU 411 is absolutely free, so there's no reason not to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. For Chantel Williams, I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is WCSU 411.